0: For you were like sheep going astray, but you are now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. 1 Peter 2, verse 25. Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Bound podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod along with church history mission news and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching I'm Philip Wells and this is episode 134 we begin with
1: God's Word for you presented by Pastor Tim Smith God's word for you job 41 verses 12 to 17. Verse 12, I will not fail to speak of Leviathan's limbs, its strength and its graceful form. And verse 13, too, Who can strip off its outer coat? Who can penetrate its double coat of armor? Leviathan's limbs and hide are a match for any man. Will you arm wrestle the devil? Will you try to penetrate the heart or the mind of a thoroughly evil man and dream that you can find any common ground there? God warns Job that just as we run from a fierce creature such as a crocodile or a sea monster, we shouldn't pretend we can go toe-to-toe with the devil himself. Verse 14. Who dares open the doors of its mouth, ringed about with fearsome teeth? Now, we don't know whether God is describing an animal like a crocodile here or not. But consider the way uh, to subdue a croc or an alligator, so I'm told. It, it's to hold his mouth shut. Otherwise, those teeth are nothing but death itself. His, his muscles are designed by God to bite down, but not to lift up. So if you've got a hold of his mouth shut, you're reasonably safe. Of course, when are you going to let go? The same would be true... If Leviathan is meant to be some sort of ferocious animal, like a dinosaur, or some even worse creature than that, that's a consideration we can apply to the work of the devil in the world. Don't listen to his eyes. Keep his mouth shut. We do that spiritually by tuning the devil out whenever he tries to talk and by listening to God instead. When we hear what the Lord has to say, we will be better prepared to recognize the adversary when he bears his teeth in our lives. Verses fifteen to seventeen. Its back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. Each so is so close to the next that no air can pass between. They are joined fast to one another, they cling together and cannot be parted. Why does the Lord spend three verses talking about this monster's back and its tough scales? Well, a lot of animals have defensive protection like the rows of shields describes here, but God isn't talking about an armadillo. As the Lord describes Leviathan, he is also painting a picture of something bigger and more terrible than any animal on earth. If we should be respectful or frightened, you choose the verb, of an animal like a crocodile, then how much more shouldn't we keep our distance from a creature like Leviathan, or I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean like the devil? He is every bit as real as an alligator, but infinitely more dangerous. And since the Lord describes the defenses on Leviathan's back, we can be certain that the devil's defenses are strong too. There's only one weapon to use against him, the word of God. The name of Jesus undoes all the lies and deceptions of Satan and shines a bright light on the true object of our faith. We trust in Christ alone. We let his grace and his forgiveness protect us forever. Oh, let's listen to Martin Luther. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill, that they shall, that they shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us done, none. He's judged, the deed is done. One little word can fell him. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. Next, we listen to Good Shepherd,
0: a song by Chris Streisbach from his album, Jesus Wins.
2: Can't believe the mess I made. What I stole now, the lies I told now. So many mistakes. But he saved me, Jesus saved me. He says, don't be afraid. I am the good, good shepherd I'll guard you with my life I know him, I know his voice I know what he paid He's not some old here for a day. When the wolves run, when the rains come, I know he will stay. He never leaves me, will never leave me. He listens when I pray to this. Guards me with his life I know the day is coming soon He's gonna gather us in The holy city will be coming sin. And he reigns now, Jesus reigns now. I'll walk the shining streets with him, walking with the good
3: shepherd.
2: I never As i
0: And now we have a lesson from 1 Peter. It was written by Pastor Mark Falk and read today by Philip Wells. Looking to the Shepherd, 1 Peter 2, verse 22 through 25. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In the middle of words urging Christians to do things Our sinful nature finds unreasonable and distasteful. Peter returns to the source and motivation for this strange life. He urges aliens and strangers in the world to live. How hard it is to be different. How hard it is to swim upstream, to have higher standards, to be gentle and submit when we suffer. Then we turn our eyes to the shepherd and overseer, bishop of our souls. If being strange is hard, it is good to remember what we once were. Before our calling destined us to a lifetime as aliens, we were like sheep going astray. It is Peter, chapter 5, verse 8, who points out the danger of being a sheep. Satan is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But we have a shepherd. We have the good shepherd. He has gone into the lion's den. He has faced the lion's helpers. If our burden is sometimes heavy, if being strange gets old, we need to refocus on the cross. We look at Jesus, bruised and beaten. When Peter speaks of things that are hard, of enduring abuse and injustice, none has been asked to do more than the Son himself. Having left the glories of heaven, he is not only nailed to the tree, he is subjected to the verbal abuse of those who sought his death, and even the criminals hanging next to him. The soldiers treat him like any common criminal or slave, for the cross is the place where the slaves are put to death. Jesus bore our sins in his own body. He removed the curse because he died with our sins attached to him. He did it to open the gates of heaven. He did it to call us to a new life so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. His wounds still heal me when I survey another day as a stranger, and admit that I have not carried this load as willingly as I ought. There is no other way than to constantly look to him. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us, be our shepherd and our guide, deliver us from the lion's mouth, help us to live a life that honors you, preserve and protect us for heaven. and now we join Pastor Tom Barthel with a message from beard133.com
4: Put your mask on first. That's the advice they give you when you're preparing to fly. If an emergency occurs at high altitude, the plane's oxygen masks drop. Why? Well, just Google Smarter Every Day put your mask on first. You'll see a 10-minute video clip that's quite interesting in short, if you lose too much oxygen, you lose your ability to function and to help those around you. It's called hypoxia. The oxygen masks provide enough life-sustaining oxygen so that you can at least stay conscious. They ultimately help you survive if the plane's pressurized cabin fails. But what if you want to save a child next to you? They may be too little to understand how to get the oxygen they need. They need urgent help. But the instructions are always, put your mask on first. got to give yourself a clear head first. Sounds selfish, right? But it's necessary. You know, it's hard to find time and structure for personal Bible study. One morning during Bible class, our group listed a few things that make the routine difficult. Busyness, different schedules, maintaining a routine, distractions. In short, Time is precious when you're a parent. When it comes to mealtime, for example, by the time we fed our seven children, they're all under 11 years old, we're happy if they just have enough food to eat. Then, after that, we get to usually enjoy a bite. But what would happen if we only fed them and stopped feeding ourselves? How long could we survive if we had nothing more than grabbing the leftovers off their crumbs and off of their plates? Okay, well, we'd probably eat quite well on some days, but you get my point. We might, not, we might survive, but we'd be less than strong and healthy. It's called malnourishment. What about feeding our children spiritual food? My wife and I really want to do this. We know it's urgent and important. We want them to have a daily dose of Bible history, hearing promises from God, joining in prayer and praise. But it seems like sometimes there's no, type, there's no time for that type of nourishment. Too often I've run out of time for properly feeding my children the real food, spiritual nourishment. It's not always easy. How do you respond when the two-year-old is confused because he can't make noise while daddy reads something and prays? But as much as he needs healthy food, he needs healthy spiritual food. Daily. How do you find the time? Best answer I've come up with so far is hidden in that phrase, put your mask on first. How could I ever feed my children if I don't make the effort to first feed myself? How could I not struggle to feed them spiritually when I'm struggling with my own spiritual hypoxia? Spiritual starvation may not occur as quickly as hypoxia, but it's even more dangerous. Obviously, I'm constantly reading, meditating on, applying, teaching the Word of God. But that's usually done with the goal of feeding the flock as a pastor. What about my own mask? I know I need to take time for my spiritual growth. I really do need to feed myself, put my own mask on, breathe deep. Then, after I've done that, I'm really ready to dish out the bread of life to others. So how do we find time to feed our family with the Word of God? It sounds counterproductive, perhaps even selfish, but we know it's by first feeding ourselves regularly with Jesus' Word. That means more than attending church and group Bible study. It means your own quiet time to reflect on the Word of Jesus Christ, your own quiet time to meditate, to pray. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Sometimes he had to get up very early in the morning to make this happen, before the crowds took hold of his time. Other times he stayed up very late. In it all he found strength to live, and he lived for us, and he died for us. We now find our strength in him. We're in a high pressure situation. When chaos surrounds and I feel weary, I remember this wisdom. Put your mask on first.
0: We end our time together this week by listening to In the Cross of Christ I Glory, sung by the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary Chapel. You have been listening to Canaanbound Podcast, episode 134. This podcast was first shared in September of 2018. Visit CanaanboundPodcast.com to find old shows and links to the artists and contributors to this episode. We'd like to thank Chris Streisbach and the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Chapel for sharing their music with us this week. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.